Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Today, I want to share what's on my heart and what I believe is the heart of God. This should be our priority for those that claim to follow and to love Jesus. God is calling us to love in action and to be His hands and feet and to take a stand against injustice. God is calling us to stand up for the things that break His heart, such as the killing of innocent life, protecting the unborn, human trafficking, to show Jesus' love and to serve, the homeless, the poor, the destitute, the broken, the hurting. You know, God makes it clear to us We read here in Proverbs 31, 8, you know, he tells us, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Dear children, he says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Unfortunately, the majority of Christians, you know, when we hear of an issue, we say, oh, we'll pray about it. You know, it's so comfortable to stay in our house, to sit on our couch and just pray over an issue, right? And not to really get involved or expose ourselves or put ourselves out there to step out of our comfort zone. But God has not called us and we were not born to be comfortable. God has called us to be his mouthpiece. God has called us to take a stand and to reach out to those in need. He calls us to pray, but then there's a time when we need to take action. It's like praying that God will help you lose weight. Lord, help me lose weight. I need to lose weight. But we're eating fast food, drinking sodas, you know, eating sugar. Girl, we're getting our hamburgers eaten at midnight, you know, but we're praying, Lord, help us to lose weight. And he's like, Take action. Stop eating the hamburgers. Stop drinking the sodas and the sugar, right? We have to take steps. We have to make moves in order to change anything. So yes, prayer is powerful and necessary, but faith without works is dead. So yes, he calls us to pray and prayer changes things. Believe me, I know. But oftentimes we can use prayer as an easy way out as if we're doing our part and we did our duty. But God has called us to partner with Him and to take action. You might think, oh, that's for somebody else. You know, somebody like me, maybe that is naturally bold or outspoken or has a heart for justice. But let me tell you, friends, I get nervous too. I hesitate too. I also have to step out of my comfort zone. You know, Jesus doesn't command us to step out, to speak up, to serve. If you are bold, if you have a heart for justice, if you're outspoken, but if you're an introvert, if you're shy, if you're antisocial, well, you know, you have a free pass. No, instead, God is calling all of his children to be his hands and feet to serve those in poverty, to serve those that have been exploited, who've been perverted, who've been taken advantage of. God is calling us to pray and to take action. You know, we can't just sit there and pray and say we've done our job. You know, God has called us to step up and be the voice for the voiceless, to bring hope to the hopeless, and to be His hands and feet. God has called us to be kingdom-minded advocates. You might be asking, how can I make a difference in a world full of injustice? 
I'm going to share with you a few of my own personal experiences and give you practical and simple ways that you can make a difference. One of the ways is when I started my Hydrating the Homeless ministry about five years ago, and I remember the day that God changed my heart. I was getting off my highway exit, and at the light, I saw a homeless man with a sign. And honestly, in the past, I would have avoided any eye contact. I didn't want him to approach me asking for money, which might not be used for food, but instead to support any addictions. But as I was sitting there waiting for the light to change green, I had a very uncomfortable few moments. We've all been there. I want to reach out and show Jesus' love to the hurting and the needy. But how can I in this moment, I asked myself. One day, as I was sitting at the light that seemed to stay red forever, I saw him. And I felt such compassion as I usually did, but this time I scrounged in my car looking for anything I could give to relieve his suffering. And all I had was a Trader Joe's bottle of water. So I looked at him and he looked at me. And as he started to approach me, I rolled down my window and I asked him, would you like some water? His eyes got real big with excitement and he shouted, yes, ma'am, thank you. (laughs) It was like gold to him. I smiled back and told him that Jesus loves him. As I drove away, I felt so full of purpose. What was so small to me meant the world to him. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit gave me an idea to keep a case of water in my car. You know, these cases of water, friends, anybody can do this. They're like $5 at Trader Joe's. You get like 24 bottles of water. You just keep it in your car. And when you're at a red light, most of the time there is going to be someone with a sign asking for help. It's a very easy, simple way to reach out. More than that now, I also give them a kind word such as Jesus loves you and has a great plan for your life. Sometimes I have a a few moments of, you know, conversation with them as I'm waiting for the light to turn, right? So now my Hydrating the Homeless ministry of over five years has become such a blessing to me as well because serving others pleases the heart of the Father. But now the Holy Spirit won't even let me run out of water. If I do run out of water, He immediately prompts me to go get more just to stay consistent in this ministry. In Matthew, there's a story. Someone came up to Jesus and asked Him, Master, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And Jesus replied, I'm telling you the genuine truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Wow, right? Sometimes we see the needs of the poor overwhelming, or we get caught up in our own busyness that we don't reach out in the most simple of ways. We all have had an opportunity to show love to those in great need, and what seems small to us is so great to those living in desperation. I can tell you something funny that happened when I first started the Hydrating the Homeless ministry. I rolled down the window, and I'm so used to them being so excited. You know, it's like gold when I give them a bottle of water. They could be standing out there for hours in the heat, you know, and so that water is so precious to them. And so I went to go hand a guy with a sign a bottle of water, and he said, Is this Avion? 
I was like, whoa, this is the classiest homeless person. <laughs> it was so funny. But I was like, wow, they're getting picky now. I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> so I encourage you to ask yourselves, friends, how can I stop and serve someone today? There's a story I can tell you of a time I'll never forget when God really forced me out of my comfort zone. When I was younger, I went with my dad and my sister to do a homeless outreach in San Francisco, which is one of the most saturated cities in America for homeless. And we went to the main part downtown in Union Square where there is back-to-back homeless just sleeping and living. And um, we went with a team from church. And I remember on the train as we were going to the city, the pastor that was leading the outreach said, you know, we're going to have three different stations for us to work at. One is going to be walking around praying over the people. One is going to be serving food. And the other is going to be washing their feet. And I remember looking over at my sister and saying, I don't care what I do, but there's no way I'm going to wash those homeless people's feet. (laughs) I don't know where they've been. You know, I don't know what they've done. I am not washing their feet. And so about an hour later, once we get there and there's a barbershop truck there that does a ministry that gives free haircuts and there's a huge team there and the pastor goes to assign us where we're supposed to be. As he's telling everyone where we're going to be stationed, he looks straight at me and he goes, and you're going to wash their feet. And I was like, what? Speechless. (laughs) Like, no, he didn't. And I remember in that moment, because I really didn't want to do it, I kind of had attitude. I remember in that moment, stopping and asking God, please change my attitude and give me your heart for them. Give me your heart for them. I don't want them to know that I don't want to do this. You know, I want to reflect your love. So I walked over to where there was a long line of people waiting for me to wash their feet, right? And of course, the very first person was this guy that was seven foot tall. He looked like a big sax player, you know? He was just this big old guy with probably size 12 or 13 feet, right? He was the one that sat down first. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have to wash her feet with my bare hands and all these things. But really, you know, I was able to wear gloves. So he sat down for me to wash his feet. Because I prayed for a change of heart and that God would change my attitude, I literally was overjoyed, like supernaturally overjoyed with this guy. Like I was supposed to just spend a few minutes just, you know, putting their feet in water, washing it really quick, putting on a new pair of socks, right? And then that was it and go on to the next person. But instead I was so full of the joy of the Lord that I gave him like a deep tissue massage. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I'm talking a full deep tissue massage. (laughs) Like I wanted the massage for myself the way I was going. Anyways, I gave him a full deep tissue massage and I spent so much time just talking with him. He was sharing his life with me. I just poured over him just the love of Jesus. In fact, so much so that the person in charge of this whole outreach came up to me and said, "Uh, we're supposed to only spend like, you know, no more than five minutes per person. (laughs) You've been here like 10, 15 minutes. So, you know, it's time to move on, right? That's how immersed I was. That's how caught up I was washing his feet. And he stood up. He started dancing in the streets. He started shouting, everybody go to her, go to her. She gives the best foot massages, go to her. 
And there was a few of us, you know, other people from different churches were there and they were also washing feet, but they looked so somber. And I here I was just like exploding with joy. I'm telling you, that was one of the most rewarding times of ministry that I have ever had to this day. I literally could not stop smiling, ear to ear smiling, like I'm telling you, beaming, like supernaturally, I could not stop smiling even if I wanted to. In fact, when I went home the next morning, that whole day, I could not stop smiling. I literally was smiling all day. I felt God's good pleasure because he knew everything in me said I was not going to do that. There's no way I was going to do it. I don't know where those dirty feet have been. (laughs) I'm not doing this. But because I asked God to change my heart and my attitude, he gave me the reward that comes with it. So I'm telling you, friends, it's so worth it to step out of your comfort zone. You know, never say you won't do something. Allow God to use you as he pleases and watch him show up big. There's nothing like it. Along with serving those in need, God has also called us to stand up for those in harm's way. I also have a huge heart for the unborn, you know, the murder of the innocent. And really, we all should. You know, I'm very pro-life, just as Jesus is very pro-life. You know, he created life. He died for life. He's all about life. He is the most pro-life there is. I remember when I was 15, I was in California with my dad, and we went to an abortion clinic. And I remember during that time, there was this well that was in all the papers, on the news. There was this one well that everybody was trying to save. His life was on the line, and they were trying to save this well. And I remember during that time, we went to this clinic, and I had a sign, and I was probably the loudest one in the street, (laughs) but I said, you know, forget the well, save the babies, you know, save the babies. It's like there was no focus on the killing of the unborn, but all the focus was on this one well. Like, what the well is going on, right? (laughs) Dad joke. But honestly, that was when I was 15, you know, and all these years later, as an adult, I have not stepped up like that. But more and more with everything going on in our country, you know, in our government right now, with these executive orders being passed that are not protecting the unborn, that are not pro-life, God has put this fire in my belly, you know. I recently was listening to one of my pro-life heroes, Abby Johnson. She's the one that the movie Unplanned was about. I encourage you to watch that powerful movie. She was a director at Planned Parenthood. She was high up on the chain. She basically sold abortions for a living. She was pressured to convince girls to actually have an abortion because that's where the money was. You know, that organization's all about the money. They put on this front, you know, they call themselves Planned Parenthood, but they do the exact opposite of actually planning parenthood. Their real goal is to destroy parenthood. So as I was watching her speak, She said something that really gripped me. (laughs) It just shook me. She said, if Christians were more concerned with offending the heart of God, we would have already eliminated abortion. Let me say that again for you in the back. (laughs) If Christians were more concerned with offending the heart of God, we would have already eliminated abortion. Wow. If that doesn't stir you up, then I don't know what will. We as a church have been silent for too long. We say we'll pray about it. We're sad about it. 
but we are not willing to step out of our comfort zone to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus as he has called us to be. Unfortunately, this is one of the many important issues that break the heart of God that are not discussed in church or from the pulpit. You know, the leaders aren't speaking about it. They're more concerned with pleasing people than they are with pleasing God. We need leaders that have a healthy fear of God and are willing to take a stand. So I ask myself, what can I do to stand against abortion? Well, Planned Parenthood recently said at a conference that the no-show rate of abortion appointments goes up as high as 75% when people are outside praying. Just us being there can save a life. So I decided in that moment that I'm going to lead the charge. Was I uncomfortable? Yes. Was I nervous? Yes. But I knew that God was with me. And so I did. I had a group of people join me and going to my local Planned Parenthood clinic. It's the largest one in the area. I couldn't sleep the night before. You know, I was nervous. I didn't know who was really going to show up. It could be just me. But I prayed over it and I stepped out in faith. Let me tell you, friends, it was powerful. You know, standing in the gap for the unborn, we peacefully prayer walked around the largest local Planned Parenthood abortion clinic, and I felt a major spiritual shift. In fact, within the first half hour, four police showed up and a lady walked out upset, telling us, we don't want you here. So we continued to pray from the sidewalk. God moved big. This just happened last week, and I'll share a few testimonies. As I was driving to the clinic, I was only a few minutes away. My mom called me from California. God told her to remind me of the story of King Solomon and the mother claiming a baby, which is in 1 Kings 3. King Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, gave a very wise ruling. Two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she laid on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, No, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, No, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, This one says, My son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, No, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other one said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. 
Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. Wasn't that a wise move? I mean, only the true mother would really care if her baby died or not, right? And all of Israel heard the verdict the king had given and held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. So my mom reminded me of that story when she called me. Well, she continued and she said, God says that any baby that is being aborted while I am here interceding today, I will be their mom. They will be awarded to me in heaven. What? That was powerful. And then one of the men that came to pray with us at the clinic shared with us that as he was praying, God told him, I have come before you all and I'm changing things by your obedience. This place has been saturated in prayer. And then he went on to tell us, like, don't be surprised if this place shuts down within three to four weeks. Wow. We also saw that the place where the clinic was, originally, it was where the old county courthouse stood. So one of the women that was with us drove around the property praying for justice. You see, we don't have to make a big scene in order to stand up for what's right and for God to move in a powerful way. We weren't shouting at women coming into the clinic. We weren't holding signs and protesting. We were there to pray and to reflect God's love. And that's what they need. We don't know what these women have been through, but shouting is not going to change anything. God's love is the only thing powerful enough to cancel death and to change hearts. You know, women, women in general, Christian or not, know that having an abortion is not right. God created every woman with a natural instinct to have children. So we don't need to tell them what they already know. They're doing this because they feel there's no other way out. We need to share hope and that there's other options. And there's big consequences to abortion. I have a friend who's had an abortion and 25 years later, she still has not told her family, you know, because she's still carrying shame and it's hard to talk about. The enemy will lie to you and say, you know, you're in and out. It's not really a baby. You're getting rid of your problems by doing it. Your life will be better. But those are all lies. This decision will haunt them for the rest of their life. But the good news is that we have a Savior. If they know Jesus, there's hope, there's restoration. He breaks off all shame, He redeems, and He makes all things new. It was the power of God that showed up last week when we went to that facility to pray over that clinic. And only God knows the true impact of our obedience because we stepped up out of our comfort zones and said yes to God. You know, we were just quietly praying. We were actually separated, walking around the property very peacefully, not even loud prayers, you know, just praying. And we stirred up all the opposition, all the demons, because a lady called the police on us within the first half hour. And then she came out and she was upset as if we were protesting, but we weren't. You know, that just shows you the enemy doesn't want us there, right? And that all that did was rile me up even more like, wow, we are making a difference. We're on the enemy's property. We're in his playground and we're messing things up. <laughs> that really empowered me. But I am telling you, friends, I felt such a spiritual shift just by going there and praying. I knew that things were being changed. Things that we could not see were being changed. The reason why I'm sharing these examples, friends, is so you know that we can make a big difference by doing the simplest of things. 
You know, the enemy wants to create false fear, like we are going to have to go and, you know, start a war. Well, that's a lie that he wants us to believe so that we won't move at all. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. You know, fear is just another tactic from the enemy to keep us stuck. Now, there might come a day that God calls us to actually do something that's really uncomfortable and really step up. But for our everyday life, we can do simple things that make a big difference. I've witnessed firsthand many times in my life that it is truly mind-blowing and amazing what God will do with our yes. It can be the simplest of things in the easiest of ways. You can provide for the homeless by just having water in your car, stopping at a light, handing water out, right? You can save a life and prevent abortions just by going to your local Planned Parenthood or or any other clinic and praying over the property. Lay your hands on the wall, on the building, on the fence. You don't have to protest and get loud and get arrested. You can call your local senator and just tell them that you oppose certain acts and laws that are trying to be passed or by signing a petition. All of us can do something to stand up for those issues that break the heart of God. It's really mind-blowing what God will do when we simply say yes. If you are numb to these issues and they are not stirring you up, Then to start to pray and cry out, Lord, give me your heart for the broken, for the lost, for the disfranchised, for the poor. Give me your heart for people so that I can be the voice and the hands and feet that you have called us all to be. I'll tell you right now, you will never, ever regret standing up for the things that break the heart of God. But what is important is that you pray for wisdom and discernment and that your heart is right. You know, I went to pray over the clinic because my heart is broken for the babies and even for the women that feel that they have no other choice, you know? I want to show them God's love. I wasn't there to scream in judgment or be self-righteous. I went there because I wanted to reflect God's love. So when you do go to stand up for something and make a difference, make sure that your motives are pure. And if they are, I guarantee you that God will have your back and you will not regret being his hands and feet. And there's nothing more rewarding than kingdom business and doing the things that make a difference and that change lives. Nothing is more fulfilling. Money can't do it. Shopping, eating, relationships, success. God created us for a purpose, and it's not so we can just be rich and comfortable and go to church on Sundays. You know, there's so much more that He has for each and every one of us, but it takes partnership. It takes a willing heart, a humble attitude in order for Him to use us. And once we get to that place of surrender, whatever you want, Jesus, I'm yours, then He starts to trust you with His kingdom business. And really, that's when the life that we were meant to live starts to begin. Unless our heart is broken for what breaks God's heart, we will fail to make a difference in our world. A broken heart is essential to fixing broken things. If we want to make a difference, then we must discover what breaks God's heart and get in sync with the rhythm of His divine heartbeat. We cannot remain passive or complacent or uninvolved. 
Instead, we will be compelled to reorder our priorities to reflect God's passions and to intentionally spend ourselves on His purposes. A heart that is in sync with God's heart is reflected in a life that is willing to go beyond, to do more than talk a good game, but to actually get in the game. Asking God to break our heart for what breaks His is a dangerous prayer, friends. When this prayer is answered, it will change the way we look at and respond to what we see in this world. The answer to this prayer will turn our lives upside down, but that's okay. God uses those lives that have been turned upside down to turn the world upside down. A broken heart will cause us to dig deeper, to work harder, to pray longer, to go farther, and to reach higher. A broken heart will not allow us to live selfishly and to consume everything we make and every moment that we have solely on ourselves and our own personal interests. A broken heart will lead us to close the distance between ourselves and those that are lost, hurting, and in need. This is what God desires of us. It is better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. So we need to have some self-reflection. What are we really doing with our lives? Because the only thing that really lasts in this life is eternal things. You can't take your money with you. You can't take your relationships with you. You can't take your job. You can't take your possessions. The only thing that will matter when it's all said and done, how did we impact eternity? We must ask ourselves, are we changing things? What are we doing for others and for eternity? When we align ourselves with God and He changes our heart, we'll be driven by a higher calling, by a heavenly purpose, not just to pursue our own selfish lust and desires, but to reflect the glory of God, whose heart broke for us so much that He gave His only Son, so we can experience grace, goodness, His forgiveness, and His life. So this is a dangerous prayer, friends, but I hope that you are ready. Because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. If you're willing, I would like you to join me in praying this powerful prayer together. So Father God, we come before you right now, and we ask that by the power of your Spirit, you would just do some wrecking, God. Wreck our hearts. God, break us out of our comfort, our pursuit of ease, and our spiritual apathy, God. God, I know that there are some that will be unwilling to pray this prayer, but for those who do, God, I thank you in advance that on the other side of the greatest breakings, God, they very likely will experience the greatest blessings of hurting on behalf of what hurts you and making a difference in this world, reflecting the goodness, the grace, the power, the love, the mercy of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would start to speak to us individually of the actions that we need to take, Lord God, the steps we need to take to make that difference, to be your hands and feet, Lord God, to fight for the voiceless, the helpless, the hurting, the broken, the poor. Give us a new sense of compassion and empathy and concern and care for those around us, Lord God. I pray that with every single person that you put in our path, Lord God, we would reflect you in your love, that they would see us and be drawn like magnets to us because we would be carrying your spirit and your love for them. Forgive us for any judgmental, self-righteous ways, Lord God. Give us pure hearts. Trust us with your kingdom business, Lord God. 
Give us divine appointments every day to make you known, Lord God. May our life's priority be what is a priority to you, Lord, that we would care more about eternal matters. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our hearts in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And for those that don't know Jesus and have not made him Lord of their lives, pray this with me today. Heavenly Father, forgive all of my sins. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you in all that I do. Break my heart by what breaks yours. Show your love through me in this world. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. Thank you for a new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Make sure to sign up to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. Subscribe to The Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.